Welcome back to another episode of the Seeing Second Podcast. The FBS football season has concluded. uh, We are knee-deep in the NFL playoffs. The NBA is in full swing. And then NHL is getting underway tonight with games actually uh, starting at like 4.30 this afternoon, which seems kind of crazy. Um, We are almost as normal as possible in the sports world, it seems. Uh, We wrapped up a defense optional national championship on Monday that involved the great spread of snacks and drinks sponsored by the great people of Nebraska Land Bank. But before we dive too deep into the Alabama and Ohio State game, Brandon, what's good? A couple things are good for me today. Not just today, just in general. I uh, took my first, had my first lecture of my first class from being a student as a Florida Gator last night online. Intro to social media and had a really good time with it. Um, the teacher was really good, well-organized, had good discussions. Classmates were all nice. It was a lot of fun. So that's, that's good for me. I'm excited to be learning everything with that class and to be continuing on that through this term. And then second thing, not trying to be like a influencer or political or, or anything like that, but, uh, I'm kind of excited for Friday as I will get my COVID shot and I'm looking forward. I mean, if people don't want to get a COVID shot, they don't have to, you know, I'm not, who am I to decide, but I, I decided to, and I'm looking forward to any possible positive unexpected side effects. You know, too many times people uh, say, well, this could happen. This could happen and bad things, you know, and it's like, maybe I don't want to do that, but they never tell you what, kind of surprises may happen so i'm hoping for a little like captain america super soldier serum so uh (laughs) maybe looking forward to some effects that include but are not limited to the following like uh hyper agility uh super strength supersonic speed impenetrable skin flight uh quick healing factor eye lasers Maybe icy breath if needed and uh, anything else that's cool. Like I, I'm hoping, you know, if I just wake up, you know, Saturday morning and I'm like, geez, my pants are too short. Whoa, whoa. All of a sudden I'm tall. I'm not short anymore. Let me, let me try to open up this jar and the jar just shatters. And I'm like, what is going on? And uh, I don't know, maybe become an Avenger. And not too many podcasts out there have an Avenger on their cast. So I think that would be pretty cool for us as well. So Brandon, I've, I've, been, I've been having the same thoughts, like the same exact thing. Maybe this will turn me into a superhero, but all the stuff that you, you just mentioned, would you really want all of that? Because I think a lot of uh, responsibility is going to come along with you getting that many superpowers. I had a There's friend a named, named Peter, and uh, he used to say, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Spider-Man. Wasn't that actually Uncle Ben's line, though? Yeah, it was Uncle Ben. I, I think that movie gets trashed for way more than it should. It's good movies. Because I feel like it, it was the first recumbent of the uh, superhero movie, and obviously they've done so much more since then, but... I feel like that movie gets dogged on way more than it should. 
and it Whoa. came out at a time like 9-11 when America really needed a superhero. You know what I mean? Like, and they could have chosen Captain America or anything like that. They chose Spider-Man. Hindsight. Well, and if you believe the rumors, and I think they're true, all, all three people who uh, have played Spider-Man are going to be in one of the new Spider-Man movies, uh, pretty much talking about the Spider-Verse. And, A live-action Spider-Verse. And, and spoiler alert, <laughs> and I don't even know how, how true it is, I, I think the uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man is supposed to lay his life down on the line to protect the the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Man, so it's gonna be awesome. Uh, I I think before we even move on, like there's the segue there that we just can't pass up, and that's if you could choose one superpower. It's a question everybody's asked, been asked a thousand times at the start of a class. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, mine would be like where I can just be somewhere else immediately. Teleportation. I mean, you know, a few of us have had a conversation about a, uh, a transcontinental high-speed rail. Um, <laughs> because I think it'd be awesome to be able to hop on a train and be in Denver in like an hour. But you know it would be even better than that? To just now. Yeah, just like, I don't know. How I don't know if I'd snap my fingers or blink my eyes or just tell myself in my mind just to. But the thing I don't know about that is then do I can my family come with me? Do they have to have that power? Can I bring all like all if I just put my arms around them all? Usually, all like if you're in contact else? with them, I think you can take them with you. I I mean, would that imagine. would be mine absolutely. Just think of like you could pop over to, you know anywhere in the well probably in the universe and just be there take care of business and and be home taco bell i think that's the correct any of those anymore oh man i went to we were in carney the other day and i wanted to go to taco bell but it was all dark and it looked closed and Had so i went to drive through well so i went to wendy's instead and then all of a sudden, these kids come, it was a road trip. So they come back on the bus carrying Taco Bell. I'm like, where'd you guys get that? Taco Bell was closed. I said, oh, we just walked through the drive through. And that was my one chance to like. Taco Bell is one of my one true loves. And I miss it. Opportunity. I miss it. Yeah. So anybody else? Kyle, yeah. what's your superpower you'd have? I think it'd be hard to, hard to turn down the ability to fly. I think I would want to fly. It's definitely has the cool factor where people see you. And even if all you can do is fly, if I see somebody flying above me, I'm like just assuming they have eye lasers and all of Superman's powers. You know what I mean? <laughs> Honestly, but then everyone would know you can fly. Like if, I would want a superpower that no one would know about so I could continue living my life, but just have that power and not the responsibility. But that also gives you the opportunity to be a humble bragger. And that's something I want to be <laughs> is I can suddenly brag about my awesome flying. You can't humble bag, humble brag about flying, but if I could be somewhere when I wanted to, that's a pretty big hum humble brag. Yeah, in my book. You would, you would never be able to have a secret superpower. <laughs> Guys, you see that? I did that. Your superpower would be like, I hit dingers. <laughs> <laughs> Speak, 
speaking of humble brags, I don't know if this is really one, but um, did anyone mention or see that Andy said the end of the FBS football oh, season? Oh yeah, like him just just flexing his his muscles of that um, he's knowledgeable about other football besides the, just the important one. The real football is about to start here next month. Yeah, right. I'm sure you're <laughs> you, you're itching to talk about that, and I'm sure it'll be worked into this podcast at some point. Oh, yeah. I'll try to curb any conversation about that as long as possible. No, Again, Andy said we have to pick a team to be a fan of. This no, I, I, I clearly said that I didn't think that needed to be today. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not going to be today. There's uh, we I'm going to need a printed <laughs> off list of the teams, please. Yeah. And, and, I I in, in colors and mascots. and I'm going to pick the closest, the one closest to my favorite cities. Yeah, we've had this conversation a couple of different times, especially about college basketball and the NBA. And I just don't know why people would just like be super enthused to watch a lesser version of what they just got done watching. Uh, I, had, I, I had someone tell me the other day that they refused to watch NBA and they'd rather watch whatever small college games were on TV and I couldn't tell if they were just trying to prove that they are that into basketball. They'll, they think that's better basketball. But to me, why would you not want to watch the best basketball players on earth? Exactly. Why would you want to watch somebody who's going to shoot 31% from the three-point line that's five feet closer than guys who are shooting 40% from the three-point line when they're on the court with better athletes? I got the exact answer because it makes me feel a little better about myself. He missed it. I would miss that too. I can't watch that NBA game. Ah, I couldn't hit yeah, that. There's that's no, why I, I watch sports is to watch more people like me play sports. Like, no, I'd rather <laughs> watch the athletes go. Well, but isn't that why you watch ESPN 8, the Ocho? I mean, because they're like people like me playing dodgeball in a crappy, uh, crappy arena or playing horseshoes or bags Cornhole. or whatever. Cornhole, Cornhole. championships. Again, Andy, you just said, like, we watched ESPN ate the Ocho like I've ever spent one hour of my life watching anything that they put on ESPN the Ocho. Well, I feel like a prime example is I was like, oh, guys, you have to read this article. It's awesome. And then I then Danny's like, is, that's behind the ESPN Plus uh, paywall there. I'm like, oh, well, my I'm privilege. also living that life. I have ESPN Plus as well. I think it's just Kyle that doesn't. Yeah. Anywho, Kyle, it's good since uh, we detracted. Yeah, I've been trying to kick around the idea if I was going to kind of drop some some knowledge on you and kind of see what, what the listeners had to say. And I've been going back and forth. And I think this is uh, this would be a, a good chance to see just how many people listen to it uh, and how many people kind of follow along with it. But uh, here's my what's good. Uh, today, my wife and I went into the, the doctor's appointment because uh, she is, is pregnant with our, our second child. And we found out today that we were going to have. Do I say it? Do I say yeah. it? You never told you never said this earlier. So let's I know. Let's it. Uh, well, I didn't know if I was able to, but <laughs> our, we've, we've told our parents and uh, we're going to have another little boy. So awesome. hey, congratulations. We will, we will have a, a, a two boy household 
and their mom will be quickly outnumbered. So that's pretty good news. Pretty fun. That's huge news. Congratulations, man. And thanks. Thanks for uh, using this, this platform to announce that yeah, to the world. I, I, kind of decided, I think I'm going to, obviously you guys would know, uh, but I think I'm just going to then wait for a little bit and see if just any random people like mention it and be like, Oh yeah, you must listen. Cause the only people that we've told so far are our family. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll wait to see if, if I get any comments from nice. people I wouldn't recognize. Gosh, that's awesome. And was there any, I mean, was there any hope or, or anything or expectation about gender for either of you guys, or was it just, we'll see what, what we get. And yeah, well, my wife had bounced back and forth three different times on what she thought it was going to be. Uh, I really didn't care. Just wanted, uh, wanted a, a healthy baby and a good checkup, but uh, I do have, for whatever reason, I have more girl names that I, I would like. Uh, but the fact that they're going to be about exactly two years apart, that's, uh seems really close to me. So I, I'm actually glad we're going to have two boys because then you kind of can see them grow up together and, and hopefully be best friends and that sort of thing. So, cool. Yeah. And we, we did talk about it earlier, but just getting a, a healthy checkup and, and good news every time you go in there yeah. is awesome. So that's a, that's a stressful building to walk into. So uh, any, any time you don't feel out of that building with, with tears or a, a huge amount of stress on yourself, yeah. like it's always, a, always a good sign. Good feeling. Do you feel like you're going to have a little bit more kind of like swagger going into child number two though? Like, you know, we, we've done this before. It's pretty easy, really. Uh, or is it still like, oh, crap? Uh, I know some of you guys, I've, I've told stories probably more Danny than anybody about this dog that we have that's just a rambunctious and just like full of energy puppy. And I think that this is going to be kind of what like two kids is having, and it's a little stressful. So I will not be uh, walking and sauntering in here super super cocky because uh i'm assuming my my workload is gonna have to pick up a little bit i've always said babies are way easier than puppies well i hope you're right because hey, we're gonna I have, have both i've had lots of both <laughs> so i can make that determination uh so moving on moving on danny can can you top that you got anything can you we're mentioning how many good things you had out rolling off the top of your head. I, I can't. I I can't. Um, it's b- back to school and back to the grind uh, amidst all the COVID precautions and everything. Um, it, it is pretty stressful. So I'm pretty. I'm I'm exhausted after just being back at it, uh, teaching and coaching for a week and a half. So it's kind of kind of just day by day. Uh, after you get having, better and better. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. But it, can't be beat. it's kind of a shock. Like I was relaxing for for two weeks over break, and and to kind of be shocked back into action. But it does make you. It does make you really appreciate um, the time of family and time you spend with your kids, and uh, and looking forward to the weekend. So I guess what's good is is the weekend's coming. Um, my youngest son has his first basketball tournament 
we're going to, I've never been to Arapahoe, Nebraska, but I'm going to head there on Sunday, check that out and see what that's like. And he's, he's enjoying basketball. My, my other son is playing competitive school basketball for the first time and, and made the team. He was nervous about that. And so, um, those are probably what's good. Just, just kids getting to be in activities and, and, uh, you know, we're all in school. We're all doing what we like to do. So there you go. I started on a negative tone and, and I think I lifted it up a little positivity, Kyle. Yeah. I'll, I'm interested when you said we're all doing stuff that we just really enjoyed doing. It didn't exactly sound like that at the start, but I did want to point out we're on like a, a nine day streak of me getting to the school before you. So I'm, I'm kind of like, that's been, that's been a revelation. I think this, this semester so far. So yeah, for listeners, Kyle and I have neighboring classrooms and we even have a door that goes back and forth uh, between our two classrooms, which is one of the, one of the best things that's happened in my teaching career. But it's a surprise every morning when I turn the corner into our pod and I see Kyle's lights on I'm checking my watch I'm like what the heck why is he there already and uh it's still a little puzzling but good for you man yeah getting after it good job new year new me huh not to uh, I was just gonna say not to go too far back I was gonna ask if uh you're you're a connoisseur of of school gyms aren't you didn't you say that a long time ago so uh, so was it this Arapahoe yeah. Jim, I'll send you guys. Think, yeah. I'll send you pictures because yeah, over the, over the last couple of years, just with these youth basketball tournaments, I've seen all sorts of small town gyms and um, the coolest one I've been to, I believe it was Holdridge. Like they have this old, like old school auditorium and it does make me feel like a throwback, like Hoosiers era uh, going into these places. So um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you get surprised and a small town's got a, brand new gym and other times you get kind of a a little gym out and out in a small town but uh i would assume kyle's probably been to more fun small gyms than i have just with the travel that he probably did his high school days but yeah i'll I'll let you guys know i'll I'll report back next weekend about uh arapaho we hear from from andy yet anything good with you um statistically Alabama's offense. Uh, that was fun to watch. It was one of those deals where uh, Steve Sarkeesian is a heck of a play caller, uh, play designer. And obviously, Devonta Smith had 215 yards receiving at halftime or something crazy like that. And Ohio State obviously knew to guard that guy, and somehow they still found ways to get him the ball um, consistently. And so I was just to bring it back towards football, it was fun to watch. It was fun to kind of break down how they went about their business and, you know, to prove that they were the best team ever. Uh, that's an exaggeration, obviously, in a COVID year like this. But, but no, that kind of leads us right into that uh, 52-24 win for Alabama over Ohio State. Uh, a few key statistics, Mac Jones threw for 464 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, Najee Harris had 79 yards rushing and receiving. Um, again, Devonta Smith, 12 receptions, 215 yards receiving. That's pretty crazy, which is kind of crazy. I saw this step. Uh, Devonta Smith had 12 receptions just in the first half. The number three receiver for Nebraska 
had 13 all year. Like that's that's outstanding. Like either that tells you how good he is or how bad Nebraska is. I don't know, but uh, but and to see probably, that kind of it's probably Fleming who left after like four games, <laughs> and he had seven in one game. <laughs> but no, and then obviously on the Ohio State side, uh, the the numbers don't look as good. Olave eight receptions, sixty nine yards. Master Teague, all name team. Master Teague there, sixty five yards rushing. Uh, Trey Sermon got hurt on the first play, and so he wasn't a factor. Um, but no, uh, it's kind of what overall thoughts real quick before we head into um, something else. Anybody want to take the lead there? Thoughts on the game? Well, <laughs> there were some extenuating circumstances on on why we didn't get to record last week. But before we talk too much about this game, I do just want to mention that by not recording last week, I lost a golden opportunity to really brag and to really kind of gloat a little bit with my yeah, well, Ohio that, State that, prediction. That's passed, so we'll just let's move on. So we'll we'll let just that bygone be bygone. Even though I did think that was a really awesome game, I think Fields really, I guess, helped his helped his stock. And and obviously, there's a lot of things, and we'll get into draft stuff probably later on uh, over the course of time. But uh, I really think that just over these two games, he probably, I would say, didn't catch up so far to pass Trevor Lawrence just because Trevor Lawrence has the body of work. But I don't know about you guys. I would definitely be slotting him over the, the quarterback from BYU just because now you've seen him do it on a big stage and against top-level talent. But uh, I guess I think – I was I was really excited because I did kind of make it my pick because I was I was more hoping for Ohio State just because Alabama is just overwhelming and it just gets hard to watch not hard to watch but just you like a little little variety in it uh, but I think it it was nice to see that they kind of went punch for punch for a couple of times but I think the the game really turned on the one possession where they got it down first and goal uh, then ended up getting. Uh, the pass interference, I think that was the targeting call. They got them another first and goal. And so they had pretty much eight plays inside the 10 and had to settle for a field goal. And as soon as they started, as soon as they didn't end up going touchdown for touchdown, I, I felt like they were going to have a really hard time. Like I just knowing how Alabama was moving the ball. I wish that they just would have went for it and said, we're either going to score and keep it tied because I think it was clearly – clear to see it from the very beginning that a, a field goal was not going to be what was going to win this game. So I guess that would have been my biggest takeaway is just the fact that Ohio state had first and goal to get it tied up 21, 21, and then settled for a field goal in that second quarter. And then tried to get greedy, started calling timeouts, had to punt and then Alabama scored again before half. So I think the game turned in that, 15 minutes span. So as the Kyle as the resident Ohio State fan. Yeah. Um, you obviously you picked them to win. You wanted them to win a, a game like that. Do you find yourself disappointed and rooting for that team mid game? Or are you watching more as just uh, just just with interest? Well, I guess if we're going off of like official picks made on the pod, I still had Alabama because I picked them in that last pod that we yeah. did. 
I just right. that was that was more of a Twitter pick, I guess. But uh, like I said, I was I was super so into the game. At some point, you picked both teams. Yeah, it was a way to do it. <laughs> but uh, I was super into the game. Uh, I wasn't really disappointed when Alabama started pulling away. I thought it was absolutely nuts that everybody knew that Devontae Smith was that good. And he was still, when he was making catches, wide open. And so I guess more than anything, I was hoping for it to be closer, just to be a close game. But, no, I, I didn't end that game disappointed because it was pretty impressive to see Alabama just move yeah. pieces around. Andy, were you the one that sent out the question, or was that Brandon asking if you were if you were Ohio State, what would you focus more on, stopping the? That was me. Or the, that was Kyle. So, and I was on a bus, not not eating Taco Bell uh, for most of this game. Um, so I'm assuming since Smith had such a game, were was Ohio State selling out to try to stop the run, or, I mean, well, where are we at with that with that discussion? The the first like few quarters few I guess they're gonna play four so you can't say few um but like the a lot of the first half they're play a four four defense which sells out and stops the run um but that obviously puts you in a tough spot defending the pass and so um obviously they they sold out to stop Najee but they also couldn't put any pressure on Mac Jones because he threw for like 90 percent and so like it was just a combo of no pass rush and they had two D line starters out, didn't they? Or something like that. And so it kind of a, a culmination of all that. But uh I mean hold Alabama rushing to 130 yards or 140 yards or something like that's not too shabby. Brandon, you're a longtime Alabama fan, very passionate, uh Crimson Tide guy ever since um I don't know, I think birth three weeks ago. Before. So are you just wait <laughs> far back as are I you waiting remember. until we're all done talking before you uh I just didn't, I don't know. You jump in or what What do you think? Well, I thought two good offenses that were, that were playing Devonta Smith. I was impressed. Like every time I think I can't be more impressed with them than like, I'm even more impressed with them. And the fact that he uh, got kind of injured during the game, I don't know like the whole severity of it or anything, but uh, the fact that he was hurt, Eagles kind of like drafting players that are hurt. And uh, so maybe we could get up there and get him, future Eagle. But, Eagles uh, draft pick. And, he, you know, I wanted him to win the Heisman. I I just thought he's awesome all year. Fun to watch him. And I wasn't really surprised with anything they did offensively. Ohio State, like they held their own really well. And early on against those cover two looks that Alabama was given, I was like, Jeez, man, they're this is going to be a shootout. I don't know if either team can stop them. And it just seemed like either they'd get somebody who would put a good move on one of the safeties up in their cover two spot, or if it was almost like a Tampa look or something, and they'd they'd have their awesome tight end on a on a linebacker uh, making a big play there. And I I thought Ohio State's plan offensively, especially early on, was really good. But then. Uh, I mean, just for as athletic and as explosive that Alabama is, you it's got to be overwhelming knowing that you have to score like every time. You know what I mean? And and I think that puts a little, little pressure on them. But it was an entertaining game. 
between two teams, I kid about liking Alabama. I really dislike Alabama. I hate oh, we're back to that. And I, and especially now that they won, now I really don't like them. And uh, it's like a reverse. No, nah, it's not even really a reverse bandwagon. I just wanted to be a, a pain last time. But uh, two teams I dislike, but I enjoyed watching it both times. And, and I picked Alabama to win, so I was excited for that. But I found myself kind of pulling for Ohio State to make a big play here and there, you know, and and all that. So it was a fun game to watch and a pretty good ending to a crazy year of college football. And with all the weirdness that went on and even with all the injuries and the people that couldn't play, it was still an awesome game to watch at, the, at a good competitive level other than just Alabama was so good this year anyway, you know. Do you guys ever change what team you want to win midway through games? Like I, yeah. like when the game started, I was like, you know what? I think if Ohio State can can make it a good game and maybe even win, I think that'd be pretty awesome. And then once it looked like Alabama was going to be unbeatable, then all of a sudden I was like, I want it to just be a murdering. Like I want it, I want it to be embarrassing for Ohio State. I don't even know why. It just like. Just kind of where my emotions went. Yeah, and I don't know if I could, would necessarily claim to be the the resident Ohio State fan, but obviously I was pulling. Well, you for don't him. get to claim that; you get given that. Oh well, I was definitely pulling for more than probably most of you guys were. I think it was a lot easier to hate Ohio State when Urban Meyer was there. Ryan Day does seem like a good dude, and. Mm-hmm. Like I said, obviously going back to be the beginning of the year, Ryan Day and Scott Frost kind of was arm in arm together. And I know that really got Brandon excited for that first game. But uh, no, I, I thought offensively, Ohio State dialed up some perfect timed uh, QB reads because there were times where you'd be watching it. And you're like, oh, man, that play is blown up and Fields would be running out the back door, making one guy miss. And just, he didn't have or doesn't have like the the top level, I guess, like Lamar Jackson speed to, to score on those plays. But man, there's a couple of times where he, he pulled it and it was, it was beautiful. And like I said, I, even though obviously Alabama was, was clearly dominant, I almost like enjoyed watching the Ohio State offense more just in terms of game plan. Alabama's offense was was fun to watch, but it was more just like, hey, we're just going to move Devontae Smith around 45 different ways, and a team can't cover them all, all 45 ways. And it was ridiculous, just the, the scheme of it. But, like, there's – you could tell that Ohio State was kind of overmatched talent-wise, and, and I just – I liked their offensive plan, and I thought – their offense was more fun to watch, even though they lost by 28. I, I don't know if you guys ever listened to Scott Van Pelt's uh, podcast, but he's on there with Stanford Steve, who I, I think is pretty cool, and I like listening to him. And one of the things that he had to say about the game, and it was kind of along the same same lines, like he was talking about Ohio State's offense, and then he goes to Alabama, and he says, they're a team, and it doesn't happen very often, where down and distance, like – it, it doesn't matter and what they can run whatever whatever play they want regardless of what down it is or, or how many yards they need to get and they probably can get a first down like that's how 
powerful their offense is and um dominating hard. I, I said at the beginning towards the beginning of this season that my bold prediction was that Alabama doesn't even get in the top four like I thought uh I forgot I thought about Saban's, that. Saban's time had come because I really do think it's it's incredibly hard once you get that good to stay that good and whatever he does uh I think I think Nick Saban's amazing at it <clears throat> And just, uh, I actually want to, I want to have a couple uh, Nick Saban compliments because I was impressed with him. Um, one of the things post game, uh, he was talking about Devonta Smith and he said, basically, this dude is going to be great at whatever he decides to do, regardless of it, if it's football or not. Like he said, that's how impressed I am with, with this guy. And I think we often forget that these dudes are like super young, like, you know, what were you doing in your you know, early twenties, uh, because these dudes do stuff that's incredibly impressive. And I, and I love hearing, um, coaches give that kind of praise to, to players. And I do think that regardless of kind of his flaws and, and I think his arrogance that Saban probably really does have, um, the best interest of those kids at heart among other things. Um, and, and so I kind of enjoy hearing that aspect of him and, uh, that dude can coach. He's, he's got to figure it out. Now I got a couple of things. And I, th I think we, being an outsider, we, as in the media, you know, now that we're media credentialed and we're whatnot, uh, we, you know, we see the, the kind of the closed off Saban, but like in that post game conference, so when he was joking around about, um, I told Smitty, he's the only one who ever missed a whole half because of a finger or something like that. And he goes, I'm kidding. Like, don't take that the wrong way. Cause like, I do have a relationship with these guys. Uh, but there's a famous clip uh, where he's talking about a Michigan state guy that, uh, that should have been kicked off the team or whatever. And he suspended him or whatever, but kept him on the team. And then that, that player went on to play like eight years in the league. And now is a big, uh, CEO or something like that in the, in the, in the financial world. He's like, you guys want me to kick this kid out of school. Like, don't tell me I don't have the best interest in my kids or I don't care about my kids when clearly like we're supposed to cast these guys out. Like they're 18, 19, 20 years old and we want to hold them over the fire or something like that. So I, th I think he has like a weird double-edged sword where he's so close off to the media, but then we don't see, you know, the nicknames, the, the, the true Nick Saban than the guys do. And, and conversely, the other thing that I was impressed by in that, in that interview is, and I love Scott Van Pelt. I think he asked good questions, but he basically asked him like, how do you stay that good for that long? How do you stay motivated? Like you've won more than anyone. You could easily step aside and be like, all right, I think that's good. And basically Saban's answer was that winning's okay, but he just can't stand losing. And I, it's one thing I say even about like high school teams. I think the best teams are filled with with players who hate losing so bad that they're just going to do whatever they can uh, to make sure that doesn't happen. And I kind of, you know, on a completely different level, understand what he means. Like um, winning's fun, but like losing, losing sucks. And I think um, there's something to be said about that. I have another compliment for old Nick Saban as well, too, about why he's so good for so long. Um, just like how he's adapted their style of offense over time as well. Like when he first started being there, and I think of his earlier Alabama teams, 
and it's like they could just line up and out man you and it wasn't anything flashy they just run right at you you know and to me at that time I was like man what a scary team or what a scary system to know that you can out athlete most of the people in front of you and just go right after them there's nothing they can do about it and now it's like they just have totally opened it all up so now it's like they take that same dominance of physicality and and now they add all this speed and all this stuff with the skill positions and now it's like it's all 11 guys you know all over the whole field and to me it's been kind of fun to see him bring in like the and andy and i were talking about this the other day uh like bringing in the lane kiffins and bringing in these other guys who are you know have different things they can update his offense with so that's that's pretty cool for him to change over time a little bit yeah this they used to do without having a very good quarterback they would just always have serviceable quarterbacks grade McElroy and, and, and those, yeah and now not only do they have the best other 21 guys on the field now they have one of the best quarterbacks on the field too. And it's still crazy. And, and it probably should have told you who was going to win, but they had the the Heisman winner, the third place Heisman the fifth <laughs> place. And like, and it probably should have been a shock to me, but this was just a, a, a little fact that, cause it seems like it was such a long time ago. So uh, Tua Tungavailoa uh, comes in for Jalen Hurts. Uh, in the national championship game against Georgia, the overtime. Uh, it's just, you know, as the two of play because he's looking, he's looking, and then boom, he just whips a left-handed pass down the left sideline, touchdown, Alabama wins the national championship. Who is the guy that caught that pass? Devontae oh, Smith. Yeah. Devontae Smith was the guy who caught that two a touchdown pass. And for whatever reason, it felt like that was five, six, seven years ago. And that was a true freshman throwing to a true freshman. And obviously everybody on Twitter has, has now been able to see the, the 2017 Alabama recruiting class, how it has uh, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and Tua and Mac Jones and, and three guys that are going to be drafted in the first round on defense and four first round uh, offensive line and, and it's just it's crazy and obviously going back to the Nick Saban stuff like you don't get all those players and, unless you have guys vouching for him and like I, I would say it's the same thing in college basketball where you might disagree fully on things that uh, John Calipari does but Kentucky has like if you like listen to their the NBA players that went to Kentucky they have the tightest core of, of probably a, a college like atmosphere of anybody, any school in the NBA. So it's kind of crazy that just you get all of the best players and you get all of the best players to buy into sacrificing for the team. I kind of want to go back um, because we talked about how, uh, especially Kyle just brought up with the, the recruits of that. What was he, what did you say was the 2017, six? Yeah. 2017 recruiting class that that recruiting class and like he's on pace to have a record recruiting class this year and stuff like that and um just how he's then brand mentioned how he is 
being Saban, uh, evolved over time, bringing in Kiffin and their offense evolved. So now they're going to throw the swing game, the, uh, the fly sweep, stuff like that. And then they bring Sark in. And Sark now is doing the RPOs second and third level downfield. And they're, they're not just doing the Kiffin uh, bubbles and stuff like that. But now, and Kyle, you alluded to this in, in a text message, there's rumors that Bill O'Brien is going to be the next uh, misfit coach on the island of misfit coaches for old Nick Saban. And I, that kind of makes me nervous. Now, obviously, Bill O'Brien was a, the head coach at Penn State when uh, Joe Moorhead was there, when they had uh, Saquon Barkley and the pretty flashy offense that's, you know, a spread system. But being in the NFL and the NFL being a lot more traditional, even to today's standards with the RPO and stuff, uh, it makes me uh, not nervous, but I'm interested to see what Alabama looks like next year, simply for the fact of uh, Steve Sarkeesian had quite a bit of creativity with it. They lose, obviously, Devonta Smith, Mac Jones, and Najee Harris. Do they kind of revert back to their uh, ground and pound under Bill O'Brien, or is he going to be as creative as Sark? And uh, I feel like you have to be pretty darn creative anymore. Brandon? Didn't O'Brien, was he under Belichick? Yeah. Uh, and and I two guys I consider the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's interesting to me. Well, and I, I said, when I said that in the text, that was just my honest guess. And then Andy gave me some sarcastic comment. And then I actually Googled it and it had already like had reports of him being on there because <laughs> that's why I gave you this. I, honest, like, <laughs> I didn't know. Like I just thought because O'Brien is a Belichick guy. And I think Saban and Belichick are about as close as, as any two coaches. So I was like, man, they have an offensive coordinator position. Like Bill O'Brien needs kind of that revamp. And I think you'll see a lot of creative stuff. And I just think it's the difference between college and the NBA or college and, and the NFL because Bill O'Brien, I'm assuming, can get pretty creative when he knows that he has the best athletes on the field. And so – there's a little bit more margin of error. There's a little bit more things he feels comfortable doing. But when you have a 53-man roster and, and you have the salary cap and half their salary cap is going to Deshaun Watson and you don't have the skill guys or you don't have the guys to protect uh, Deshaun as, as much as you will in, at Alabama, like, I think it'll be different. Like He'll have his own spin on things, but I don't think it's going to go back to the to the Mark, Mark Ingram Alabama days where it's just two or three running backs and just running up the middle. Although as they were starting to sub different guys in, it still appears like they have as many running backs that they would need to just run it up the middle. Cause the, the freshman or sophomore they brought in, I think he was wearing number four. Brian uh, Robinson. Yeah. He looks more big impre- dude. <laughs> he looked more impressive than Najee Harris, who might be my favorite player that comes out of that game. And kind of bringing up, uh, transitioning a little bit, we, we talked a ton about Devonta Smith dominating that first half and obviously uh, being out the second half. But there's been kind of a long debate, and uh, this Devonta Smith doesn't fit into this category by any means. Uh, but we've seen many times throughout the BCS and maybe even into the, the um, tournament the 14 playoff that the Heisman winner 
doesn't do great against the top competition in the bowl game uh, back in the day or in the, in the playoff. And obviously Devonta Smith is not the, the key we should be looking at here, but should the voting be moved back to after the playoff? So that way a, you know, whether whatever year it is where a guy has a great season, but then once they get to the, the conference championship, once they get to the like opponent, um, you know, they, they look average. They look like just another Joe on campus, Brandon. I believe wholeheartedly they should have the Heisman voting after the national championship. You know, the, it used to be the national champion was declared before a bowl game, like a long, long time ago. And they, they vote after that. And to me, why, why can't you do that? You know, I, I it just makes no sense to have it before. And not only that, sometimes maybe that would be enough to keep a few of those other players still playing in their bowl game, uh, you know, trying to make those games important. They might have another chance to impress it, you know, and you never know how, you know, things will, would always change, but I kind of think back to 1995 with Tommy Frazier, you know, who didn't get a chance or, you know, wasn't the Heisman Trophy winner, and Eddie George got it. And, you know, if things played out the exact same and people had watched Nebraska versus Florida uh, play in that national championship, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, Tommy Frazier, after that run, would have – that run would have would have sealed the deal, you know, and, and everybody talks about, well, yeah, but Eddie George and, – and let's not forget, Eddie George would have been – a backup running back at Nebraska splitting carries with the Mon green behind Lawrence Phillips, you know, but uh, to me, it's just, it, you should have it at the end. It's cool. And they, is it always after the conference championships? Yeah. It's the the week after. So like, what's another, you know, let them play the bulls, let them do that. And then, you know, if somebody just has, you know, that'd be cool to say, yeah, this person game winning gutsy performance, you know, on the national championship game. And that's what won him the Heisman, you know, and I don't know. I just think it makes sense to do it that way. That's just me though. I think it, I think it's a good point of possibly that could get some players to, to stick around a little later. Cause I'm just thinking if a player opted out of their bowl game, and didn't compete after the regular season, would voters be less likely to choose them? Or could a player be so dominant during the regular season that they could still win the Heisman? And I guess I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer to that. I'm just, just thinking out loud. Well, I know that there's sometimes because it's not like a, like, a set time when everybody has to turn their votes in. And sometimes people will turn in their, their Heisman votes before the conference championship game will yeah. be played. And I, I, I would guess that the reason why they're holding off doing it is because they don't always want the recency bias of just then always making it the best player on the best team. Well, but, that's what right. it turns into though. I mean, how often is it just, if you're in the top four, it's your quarterback. And I mean, obviously this year it's, Alabama's top three, but like that's the way it turns out anyway, it seems like. 
Well, Lamar Jackson won it though, not a couple of years ago, and his team was wasn't even in the national championship conversation. So yeah, it's not always that way, but I would say that it's the default more than anything. But uh, how far yeah. did how far did Oklahoma get in the playoff in 2018 with Kyler Murray? Lost in the first round against Lost in the Clemson. Just kind of scrolling back because obviously Joe Burrow. Yeah. deserved it national champion the year before that was kyler murray the year before that was baker mayfield baker mayfield Lamar. that was that was the game against georgia where he actually played really really well against georgia they actually had like a 10 to 14 point lead and then georgia came came storming back and and beat him in double overtime yeah. so you could almost argue that these guys that have won it have proven they deserved it regardless of if they win the national championship or not, but the way that they compete against the other, you know, top three teams have probably shown that they earned it in the postseason. So maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe the yeah. voters are getting it right. Well, and, it's, it's funny though, how many stories every year you hear about that deal that you're bringing up Kyle, where they voted and they knew after week five, their, their ballot was cast and like, yeah, the the recency bias isn't there, but like how many, you know, they turn a blind eye to the last six weeks when the, you know, the attrition really starts to hit in and, uh, you know, you're starting to get tired, you're starting to be sore, you're starting to have that mental grind and how many voters have already cast their ballot and they won't even, you know, take a look at a rising star who got progressively better and more important throughout the year. If uh, If Clemson won the national championship this year, would Trevor Lawrence have appeared to be a, a better college football player than Devontae Smith? For for the lone reason of when he's not in there, they're a totally different team, right? I mean, their offense, obviously, against Notre Dame when he didn't play. Uh, I mean, their backup, I'm not even going to try DJ something. Ugalele. Yeah, uh, he still threw for like 450 yards, but the efficiency was totally different. The uh, the game plan is just a little bit different. And so, I mean, most valuable probably was Trevor Lawrence, but for the whole body of work, I don't know how you go against. You know. How can you say it was the most valuable and say that his backup still threw for 500 yards? <laughs> because they lost. Because they yeah, but that was because it wasn't because their offense didn't score points. Well, like I, I get Lawrence that. Didn't he, help the defense. He just means so much more, though. They almost lost that week after when they were playing, shoot, I don't remember, Virginia Tech or something like that. They just weren't clicking like they were because you could sell out and stop the run and know that uh, Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't there. So his legs, his arms aren't the same as DJ's. So what's your defense against the Ohio State game when he was fully healthy and he's got boat raced? Oh no, I'm I'm just I'm just saying what I've heard on on I in a different in a different light. Hey, it's it's okay to try to back out of a conversation. I no, no, I'm just saying, podcast. Danny, you you <laughs> just brought up the point. If Clemson won the national championship, does Trevor Lawrence look different? Yeah. So if, if in that scenario they don't get boat raced by Ohio State. I, okay, here's my last comment on the on the Heisman because I think what we're really saying is that. Justin Fields deserved to be better than seventh place. Like Brees Hall was ahead of him. And I like, I like Iowa state, but 
Is but, Brees Hall a better college football player than Justin Fields? I think the out of the top ten, the one that sticks out, if we're saying we should be voting after the national championship, I think the only real difference would have been Justin Fields is up there higher, but he still doesn't doesn't win it. Yeah. But you guys constantly complain about how Ohio State didn't have enough games and they should have some penalties. That was clearly one of the downfalls of Ohio State not having uh, marquee games or enough I, games is he took a hit because he didn't have a big uh, a big game in the Big Ten Championship. He yeah. didn't have a, a marquee matchup. So you could say that even though the, the team didn't take much of a hit, Justin Fields not being even invited to the, the Heisman ceremony was, was probably – as big of a hit well, as any. I, I feel like the Big Ten and college football really let Justin Fields down. If the Big yeah. Ten could do that much to get Ohio State into the top four, they should have got Justin Fields an invite to the Heisman ceremony at least. Yeah. I just have one last thing. And, and I thanks think... for calling me a constant complainer. I don't believe that I've been constantly complaining about anything. Maybe a couple comments here and there, but now I'm labeled as a constant complainer. Not you. I met you people as as you guys that were just railing against the fact that the second best team in the country managed to squeak their way into the national championship. Literally probably the only thing I said was that I think it's kind of annoying because I feel like Ohio State was gifted a birth. But if you want to make that constant complaining – I wasn't Man. calling you out, Danny. I was calling you three as a collective group. I will admit, I constantly complained about Ohio State being <laughs> let in. I will okay, well, I, yeah, he's talking about you then. Uh, <laughs> All right, but I will admit it. <laughs> I, I think really what we're saying here is this year was just deep for the Heisman candidacy. Justin Fields was seventh. Najee Harris was fifth, who I like – I honestly think he's, he would be a running back worth taking, even though the NFL doesn't take running backs. I want to go back to uh, – I want to list off. So we just named all of these guys, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, who almost played perfect in the national championship game. Listen to this uh, gem of a year. And I'm just going to go uh, starting from the bottom up. Okay, number 10, Calvin Johnson. Number nine, Dwayne Jarrett. Number eight, Ian Johnson from Boise State. Seven, Ray Rice. Six, Colt Brennan. Number five, Michael Hart. Uh, four, Steve Slayton. Three, Brady Quinn. Two, Darren McFadden. And number one, Troy Smith. Like, that doesn't hold a candle to the amount of just studs that we had this year. And so some years, they, you just get stacked up and only one guy can win it. Other years, Troy Smith and... And Brandon, that would be a, a really good indicator of uh, not or it really not mattering the other way because Troy Smith got killed in that BCS championship game. But then none of the names that I listed below him were even in it or were yeah. even were I've even never part heard of, of a heart in my life. He's That's that little Michigan short running Michigan running back. Who, He's who the one that Nebraska he was the one that got killed by Jadavian Clowney. Oh, who's the Michael Hart of this group? Who's the guy who will be nowhere near being talked about? And whatever guy you just said from Ohio State, no, or Iowa, Iowa State. State, Iowa Brees State, Hall. Brees Hall. Interesting take there, Kyle. Well, it's just because I. When was the last time anybody from uh, Iowa State was a big, big hit in the NFL? 
Seneca uh, Wallace. Seneca Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. was what, like 2003 or something like that? Uh, I think you guys have proven my point for me. <laughs> All righty. So let's go ahead and move forward. Um, the issue at play hey, maybe more hey, than – time out, time out. You know David Montgomery? The Chicago running Bears back. Yeah. Running back. Yeah, he's pretty good. He went to Iowa he, State. He did. Well, there you if go. it took you that long, Danny, I don't think it counts. <laughs> I I had him in mind. I couldn't think of his first name, so I had to Google it. Probably also proves my point that he's probably not a huge uh, difference maker. I don't know. He's great in fantasy football, that's for sure. Apparently, apparently, Alan Lazard went to uh, Iowa State. <laughs> Just Danny the NFC found the North. Google. I didn't know that. Anywho, uh, moving forward, uh, Wait, hang one on. big oh, – time out, time out. Go ahead, Danny. Just kidding. I got no one oh, else. Oh, okay. Uh, the, maybe the biggest issue that uh, plagued the Super Bowl – or not the Super Bowl, the national championship on Monday is the fact that every national championship, every – Oh, good old Sage. <laughs> The, the back of the ball backups. Uh, the national championship for college football, college basketball, always happens on a Monday. We talk about uh, ho- Halloween being a floating holiday. It should always be on a Friday or Saturday. Um, why can't college football, why can't college basketball figure this baby out? Even I mean, even the Super Bowl, Monday should be that national holiday or something like that. Why are all these uh, – why are all these big games on the worst days possible to have them? How would we rearrange the calendar to fix this simple problem? Brandon? So can I just say we got to this point because someplace there was this huge table with all these great minds of, of college football and all this stuff. And then they're saying, yeah, okay, well, what night should we have this national championship? And then one person said, I don't know, we could have it on a Monday. And this table of like 20 to 50 people are sitting there. And then he's like going once, going twice. And surely somebody in their mind is yelling, somebody say something for the love of God. This is the worst idea. What are you doing? And they were too afraid to say it. So then he says, okay, no take backsies. And then at the end, and they said, hey, uh, but isn't my I said no take backsies verbatim no take backsies I mean it makes no sense as much as I love the game all right probably once every four seconds I'm like this would be way better if I didn't have work tomorrow this would be way better if I didn't have work tomorrow this would be way better if I didn't have work through the whole time thanks a lot college football thanks a lot you idiots college football NCAA playoff Twitter account who's doing all this other stuff and engaging with everybody and i thought you know what you know why they're up engaging with everyone on twitter right now because they don't have work tomorrow because they probably get to take it off as a little holiday for them but for the rest of us for the rest of us regular peasants in this world you know not the elitist college football playoff committee we have work the next day let us have it on a weekend have it on a saturday it's not that we can send a man to the moon we should be able to have the brain power to figure out to, to exit out on a freaking calendar. Oh, I'm, here's a red X. 
I don't like college <laughs> football here. If that's all you got to do, that's all you got to do. Now I got two things, Brandon. One, <sighs> moon landing, shaky at best. Two, oh my God. <laughs> number Why? two though. Explain that. No, we don't have time. We've already been on here for like ninety minutes. We don't need to be on here any longer. Uh, this the second one though is when it's compounded into West Coast kickoff. I can remember like the that Super Bowl a few years ago where it was in New York or New Jersey, and the game started at like. 4 p.m. and it was done by 7:30. It's like that's an awesome, nice little deal. But when it's on the West Coast, and so it's got to be at least kind of prime time there, their time, and then it just makes it later and later and later. That's when it's the worst. Yep. And here's the thing: is that there can't be anyone with a good, compelling argument of why the Super Bowl should be on a Sunday. Because think about everybody who would stand to make a lot more profit if it was on a weekend, like. And you, and usually those people who, uh, you know, are, are the ones making all the money are usually the ones making the decisions too. So like I literally, and this is something that even though it, it's coming off as a joke that I'm serious about, and I know Brandon is definitely serious about, and I have not heard a good compelling argument about why the Super Bowl has to be on a Sunday. Plus, we're, we're playing NFL football on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and like Monday mornings now and stuff. So I think if there's ever a time to make a change, now's the time. Give the people what they want, right? Now's the time. NFL, uh, commercial people, everybody who's behind these decisions, now's the time to make a change. Kyle, if you disagree with this, I'm probably leaving. <laughs> I don't disagree. I'd prefer I it to I'm be on a Saturday. But – I think the reason why it's on a Sunday is you do get more casual viewers that wouldn't watch it on a Saturday because there's more things to do on a Saturday night. That's a terrible <laughs> argument. To me, it's more likely that this table of all these people instead said, let's come up with the worst decision that we possibly could and then go with that. And then somebody said, how about a Monday then? If we're going worst idea, I would say, let's go Monday. <laughs> And they're like, anybody I have a worse idea than that? Nope. Okay, let's do it. Just let's just be stupid. Let's have a, it can be a group contest. Of, a group of Sunday lobbyists, the people that are that are Sundayists, they are the ones who lobbied for this and and made that change years ago. And now it's just kind of stuck. They knew Sunday was a boring day that everyone dreaded <laughs> because they were gonna have to go to work the next day. And so they decided to try to spruce up Sundays by putting the NFL on there. Now to kind of build off of that, Danny, uh, there's there's a this time where uh, I was coaching and we had a new head coach and we we're trying to like uh, just be different than what we used to be, and we got through this point where we went through like two a days and that first fall camp or whatever, where every day is like, are we doing this just because that's the way we've always done it? And that's kind of what it is. It's like, well, it's always been on a Sunday at seven forty-five. Or it's always been on a Monday at 7.45. We can't change it now when there's really no reason to, to not. I actually did just – I just Googled the first Super Bowl just thinking maybe the first Super Bowl was on like a Saturday and it's just changed over time. But, nope, Super Bowl one was on a Sunday also. So, yeah, it is – it's ingrained in uh, the American psyche that we got to have the Super Bowl on Sunday. But – We've changed everything else this exactly. year. Exactly. Everything else from the face mask to Thursday night games to everything else. But then suddenly Sunday is like, you know, for people who are religious, 
God didn't say anything about thou shalt make the Sunday for thou Super Bowleth. He didn't say <laughs> that. I'm pretty sure. You know. I I would say though, at least NFL games are typically on a Sunday, so they're not their 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 biggest game is on a Sunday. Yeah. College football plays on Saturdays. Their biggest game should be on a Saturday. Yeah. However. Do you think that the college football national championship on a Saturday night would be able to outrate or bring more eyes than the wild card weekend? Because that's why it's on a Monday is because they know that they cannot compete against the NFL playoffs. Yeah. And wild card weekend NFL playoffs is up there among my sporting event dates that I that I love like I, I love wildcard weekend I love this this coming weekend so I know that's why col- college is kind of has to plan around the NFL in that regard but again if we're putting men on the moon we ought to be able to find a, a schedule that works exactly the big if the, but if we are do you do you guys like the semifinals being on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day or some other time do you have a preference on that so that's what I was going to kind of ask was putting it on a Saturday against NF, the NFL slate. How's that compared to putting it on New Year's Eve, where it's kind of the back burner to all the festivities that are, you know, at the end of a year? I, I personally love it because I think New Year's Eve is a garbage holiday and I'd, <laughs> and I'd rather be at home watching football on New Year's Eve. And then that's because you're old, Danny. Afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm going to defer on that one, but that's my opinion. It's nostalgic for me, too, just from back when Nebraska would play in big bowl games. That was like, yeah, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Watch them play some school from the state of Florida, probably, for a chance at a national championship. And it just seemed like you do that, and it's New Year's, and it's Nebraska Bowl Day, you know? And now, And now we don't even play after Christmas. Even though we were bowl eligible this year. <laughs> Just decided. Honest question. Honest question. Now we're going to save that for a different pod. Yeah, I thought that was going to be a segment that we had. <laughs> uh, so at least we can all agree having the national championship or the Super Bowl on a Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are no-goes, Correct. Yep, and Halloween is another garbage holiday, and if if you're gonna make parents suffer through that crap, put put it on a week weekend. That's just a made up holiday anyway. You can put that on whatever day you want. I do have one more point to go with the Super Bowl Sunday. Would you rather have the Super Bowl on a Saturday, or because football is such a part of Americana, would you rather keep the Super Bowl on Sunday? and have Monday be essentially a national holiday. I'm a little worried about it because, you know, where they've talked about like having presidents there, whatever, after it and self, that would work for 95% of the rest of the world or 99% of the rest of the world. But whereas where we teach, we typically have that day be a work day uh, for teachers that's not going to work for me either because then we have to go back to work and then nobody else in the rest of the world has to. So, uh, so I get real nervous when they start talking about moving that back later. And I'm like, there goes me using the all personal day for it. I won't be able to do that because then it's a blackout day. 
Yep. So, I was going to throw it out, out there. Uh, it is a national holiday for me. I typically do schedule a pre-approved personal day of leave on Super Bowl Monday. And I know Brandon's in the same boat. Uh, so I will not be going to my job the day after the Super Bowl. And I th- I'm going to make some ribs Super Bowl too. Sunday and, I, and I'm going to enjoy them. So, yeah, it's a holiday for me. I recommend it for you guys. As do I. All righty. As we wrap up this pod, like we do 98% of the other pods, except for that one, I forgot. Uh, extra points. Anybody have anything to kick us off here with this extra point? Well, I would say since we're kind of getting into the off season, I know we will have a time or two and probably more time than I would prefer talking about FCS football, but uh, this is actually the time of the year that I think could be the most fun in terms of just the, the randomness of it, the, the interesting conversations that we could, could dive into having. And I just don't know how many of those interesting conversations are built around Northern Iowa. But uh, I really think that some, some fun stuff are ahead. And if, if anybody wants to share some just fun, random ideas, throw them our way. Because I think it could be a, a lot of fun to – just spend some time just BSing and kind of looking at some of the recruiting and that sort of thing. Danny's favorite topic. And uh, last year we were just kind of, kind of settle into some fun randomness and we all know what happened. So I'm looking forward to, to this off season. Hopefully we have a little bit more normalcy. Boom. Uh, as Kyle mentioned, the FCS is getting ready to kick off here in about a month, and so hopefully we have some sweet conversations about that Northern Iowa squad that uh, that Kyle brought up. Brandon? And then I'm going to find my best friend, Doug, and then I'm going to give him a best friend hug. Doug, Doug, Doug! Peterson got fired from the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm having a hard time coping with it. And I forgot about it until we were talking about uh, draft and whatnot and good players. And so I'm going to try to get that out of my mind before I go to bed tonight. I was going to say, Brady, I couldn't tell if that was a excited that Doug got fired or an upset. That Doug... Even though uh, the name's spelled different, we're rhyming brothers. Brothers through rhyme of Peterson. I don't I, that's that's I don't think that's more of like a homophone. That's not really a I I can't believe I forgot to to send this out to you, but this popped up on my my phone thing here and it says report Lincoln Riley is has interest in the Philadelphia Eagles. You know how I talk uh and then change my mind sometimes and so I'm gonna have to take back every bad thing I said about him when he comes here and I'll I'll be all back on that innovative quarterback whispering son of a gun. But until then, I don't like it. Can I, can I do an extra point? I'd like mine to be just a quick uh, name, the team that you've got winning the Super Bowl. I've got the Packers. Brandon, who you got? I Come back to you? Yeah. Andy, you got a pick? Uh, let's go with the Chiefs. Chiefs? Kyle, if the Saints don't give me the biggest heartbreaking loss against the Bucks this week, I'm taking the Saints because I think that'll. I, I do think it'd be cool to see Drew Brees ride out on a on a high note, but I I have a feeling that it's going to be a crushing loss against the Bucks this week. 
Cal, do you remember when Drew Brees was on Oprah and she tried to rub the uh, birthmark off of his face? <laughs> yeah. No, but that's funny. She, she, she put a thumb up there and was like, oh, you got some – and, like, tried to rub the thing off it on, on like, yeah. his cheek. That's awesome. So I'd like to see another scene like that. I'm going to pick Brandon, the Ravens, time to but I'm uh, – but... I kind of have my heart going out to Bill's Mafia. That's who I want to win because they're – I see – I've been there, you know. They've endured so much out. pain. Yep. I, I feel their pain. Bring it to – that's who I want to win, but I'm picking the Ravens. No Ravens. We'll have a little clearer picture next time we get together to record. So More pain than losing now. on the last second of your last three playoff losses on the last play. Well, recency bias there. <laughs> but anyway, as always, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Email us for us old people that uh, don't know how to tweet or Insta um, at Sing Second, Sing Second Pod, and Sing Second Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, maybe a little uh, NFL talk there now that the, uh, the divisional rounds are underway and get ready to go in there. Um, but no, have a good rest of your week. We out.